Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. This morning, we're going to look at a celebration in the Bible, and it was a celebration, and as we talked in week one, it had the potential to become a failabration, but it remained a celebration, and all four Gospels potentially write about this. It is possible that there were four separate occasions, or at least three separate occasions, but this morning, I want us to look at them and actually see if we think that maybe they could be the same occasion, and so this morning, I'm going to ask four friends of mine um, to come up and read these Bible passages. So if you would mind uh, the, the Bible readers, that would be fantastic. I'll give you this. It's from Matthew 26, from verse 6 to 13. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will have with you always but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why is this perfume sold why is it not sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. While he was in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. 
Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Luke chapter um, 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sister found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She bought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, Say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owned 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them would you love more? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That is why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you. Can we give these guys a hand? Very reading. So it might be too much of a stretch for you to think that that, that they're the same. That's okay. It doesn't actually matter in this message. There's points that you'll be able to take from it anyway. Um, But maybe this is actually a problem that you have with the Gospels as you read them, that they're they're too different, the accounts that um, are given there. But we went to Dan Urquhart's 40th birthday about five to ten years ago. And um, (laughs) and we we were there. And if you ask four of us that were there uh, how that party went down, we would have four completely different perspectives to tell you. We'd have different stories about that night. The details would be different. In fact, if we were verbatim word for word, you'd have issues with why Why were they colluding before they, why did they feel the need to get their stories straight? What's going on here? You'd actually be more suspicious if we verbatim quoted each other and had it all sorted ahead of time. So here we have some different accounts and possibly, possibly three different occasions, possibly two different occasions, but maybe, just maybe the one occasion. You know, I know that it says there that in one of them that it was the home of Lazarus, um, but actually in the Greek it's hometown of Lazarus, where, where he went to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, not necessarily meaning he went to his house, but he went to his town. And, uh, and so the other three occasions have been placed, I've got it wrong here, but have been placed at the home of Simon. 
Um, two refer to him as Simon the leper. One refer to him as Simon the Pharisee. So that's the textual differences. But I want to take us to the room this morning. And uh, Dan, I just want you to come and be Simon for a moment. Please. And um, Simon is here and, and, and he's, it's his house. So he's at the table. And actually it says that he, you put this dinner on in Jesus' honour. So that's great. Um, but you're a Pharisee. So probably you've got some conflicting emotions going on here. And uh, I'm not going to ask you to say anything this morning, Dan. I just want you to stand there. <laughs> and so this is Simon. And he's probably got some conflicting emotions because, because he was a leper. And so he's been healed from his leprosy. So of course he's going to throw a dinner in Jesus' honour. But even while he's so grateful and he's got these feelings of deep gratitude for Jesus, he, he's a Pharisee, so he can't but help hear his mates talk about, his colleagues talk about the way that Jesus is going to turn things upside down and it's going to be awful for all of them. So he's there and he's got the conflicting emotions going on. On the one hand, there's this deep gratitude and on the other hand, there's this fear of the controversy surrounding Jesus. And, and so he's there and, and then he's, he's just sitting there and then a prostitute walks in the door. You might say, Bron, that's a bit of an assumption. Chrissy read that she was a sinner. It doesn't say that. But actually, the Greek word is that she was a prostitute. And so he's looking and, and he's saying, okay, I'm trying to figure out who this Jesus is. I'm curious. But this woman's just walked in and she's approaching us and he doesn't know who she is. So how can he be a prophet if he doesn't understand what kind of woman that was? And now the truth is, is that clearly she wasn't like the town harlot because he wouldn't need to be a prophet to know what kind of woman that was. So she was a prostitute, but to many people, she wouldn't appear that she was a prostitute. So my question is, how did Simon know she was a prostitute? And <laughs> move on. And so, so he's got his conflicting emotions. And now I want to take us, and, and Nath, if this feeds back, I'm really sorry, and I'll rush up the front. There's a woman up the back who's trying to get through the crowd and she sees everyone there and they're all gathered and she wants to get to Jesus because she's heard from him a love that she's never experienced before. It's a love that says he doesn't want anything from her and she's never known that kind of love from any man. And so she's pushing through the crowd and there's people that are objecting to... But she's desperate to get through. And so, oh, um, so she gets through to the front. She gets through to the front and she comes to Jesus. She comes to the table where Simon is there. And the, the table is the center of the Jewish home. It's where everything important happens. In fact, every theophany, every time that God appeared to men in the Old Testament, or almost every time, he cooked them a meal. He sat down to a meal with them. He provided for them in some way physically. So the table is important, and she's going to the main place. Mikey Barlow. Here's Judas over here. Judas. Iscariot, you're nothing like Judas, Mikey. It would take you at least 40 pieces of silver. <laughs> <laughs> here's Judas and he's looking on and he just says, what a waste. What a waste. And, and the people around Judas are like, Ugh, like Ugh. Judas, like that stinks, man. Like the way that you talk, he's always talking about money. They know he's thieving from the purse that provides for Jesus' ministry. 
Like, ugh. And so Judas is like, oh, I've got to make this a bit more palatable. Um, oh, that, that's wasteful. It's worth over a year's wages. That money could have been sold and given to the poor. And, and that's a more palatable murmur that gathers traction. And people start to go, yeah, that, that is a waste. That could have been given to the poor. And Judas is doing exactly that. Yeah, that's all right. And we come back to Simon. And he thinks, what's she doing here? And then the thought occurs to him, well, what am I doing here? You know, it wasn't that long ago that I had leprosy and I had to dwell outside the town because every time I came near people, I had to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that my infectious disease wouldn't be caught by them. But now I'm healed and, and I'm only here because that man has made me clean. And he says, what am I doing here? But, but hang on. No, she's a different. I had a disease that had nothing to do with me. I didn't choose it, but she chose her lifestyle. So she shouldn't be here. I'm a worthy recipient of the grace of God, but she's not. And so he sits in his judgment. We thank Simon and Judas and rough men in the crowd. You see, the subtitle of this message, Celebrate Good Times, is You Carry a Smell. When I grew up in Cowra, it was a great day when KFC came to town. And... Uh, Oh, the smell of KFC wafting through the town. It wasn't a very big town. It kind of just covered the whole thing. And KFC cooking, it's unlike any other smell. To some of you, it might be a horrific smell, but to those of us who are enlightened, it's a smell of life. And I actually worked there at my first job. I didn't even realise there was a thing called potato powder until I worked at KFC. And making their mashed potato with the potato powder and the water, I would get covered with it. Just sorry to burst that bubble for you all. It's not real potato. <laughs> the smell of KFC would waft over the town. And in this celebration, there's a bunch of smells going on. And you, as you go about your life and as you go about celebrating, you carry a smell. So just turn to the person next to you and say, you stink. <laughs> and the first smell of this gathering, the first smell... And the first smell of this gathering was the smell of, you don't belong here. You don't belong. And you see, the smell of you don't belong, it seems like it's on the recipient. Because, and often, don't the people who we feel like don't belong, they actually do maybe sometimes literally smell. But maybe they don't literally smell. Maybe it's something that we think that they've said or they've done or that they are, that we think you don't belong. And we think that smells on you. But actually, the smell of you don't belong is always on the giver, on the bestower, on the conferrer. If you think you don't belong, that smell is not on you. The smell is on the person that's giving it to you. You belong. Everyone belongs. Everyone has a place. There's a smell of stinginess. And that smells vile. It stinks. And extra extravagance offends the person who's stingy. <laughs> that generosity, that, that, that kind of, well, that's a, that's a feast. Really, that's unnecessary. Look at all that waste. Extravagance offends the stingy. And if I'm going to be honest, I've got a tendency towards this one. I'm not always the best person to have on a building committee because I ask the wrong questions. I'm not always the best person to be around if you're extravagant because I can kind of pull back if you're extravagant. 
I remember going to a church and they were singing that old Robin Mark song, shout from the north to the south, sing from the east to the west. And there was a human compass in there. And every time I was like, north to the south, sing to the east and the west. And I was, I was uncomfortable. I was like, your extravagance is making me uncomfortable. And I, I, I pulled back in my worship because I was offended at the extravagance of hers. Is that your smell this morning? Do you have a smell of stinginess about you? There's a smell of judgment where it says, I'm a recipient of the grace of God, but you shouldn't be. What you've done is too far. You're too, too much for God. He doesn't want you. He wants me. But the line has been drawn somewhere between what I did and what you've done. And there's judgment and it stinks. And that judgment would stop the penitent sinner from making their way through the room and coming close to God and finding proximity with the Holy Spirit in order for him to change them. But it would say, no, no, what you've done is too much. Who you are is too much. Or it would put a time limit on the change that you expect them to make. It would say, no, you need to change this far in this amount of time according to my expectation. And, and because you can't, then it's too much. Is that your smell? That smell of judgment? <laughs> Sorry. This smell, there's another smell in the room. And this is the smell of extravagance that's born out of a heart of worship. And this is a smell that says, I'm sorry, I don't care if you're judging me right now. I'm pushing through to get to Jesus. I'm sorry, I don't care. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you're saying that I'm extravagant. I'm pushing through. I'll give everything, everything I have. I don't care if you're, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care if you say I don't belong. I'll push in anyway, and I'll push in for every single non-belonger in the world so they see that someone who shouldn't belong does belong because of the grace of Jesus Christ, and I'll push through regardless. Is it too much? I don't care. And you know what? That's a smell that gets on people. That is a smell that gets on people. When that woman bent down and she broke the alabaster box, there was a smell of judgment. There was a smell of stinginess. There was a smell of you don't belong. But the overarching smell that began to get on people was the smell of that perfume that she crashed over his feet or his head. Who knows? We only get the headlines. And that smell permeated through the whole room. And it was beautiful. There's a smell of grace. Smell of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who with one look silenced the stingy, who spoke to Simon in love and silenced the judgment and said, come on in, darling, you belong. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, but she didn't put a hand in the air and pray the prayer. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, she didn't confess. Your sins are forgiven. And when everyone said, you don't have the right, he looked at them all and he looked at her and said, go in peace. <laughs> go in peace. The grace smell. Is that your smell? I've read this series, I love historical fiction, about the emperors. And uh, it was about the rise and fall of Julius Caesar. Um, Van, you can come, I'm about done. The rise and fall of Julius Caesar. And uh, 
And in it, it talks about his uncle Marius, who was consul to the city of Rome at the time. And he'd gone away and he'd defeated many countries and he was victorious and he came back and threw for himself a triumph, which is what they did back then. If they'd gone and defeated a bunch of places, they'd come back and throw themselves a big ticker tape parade in the city. And so Marius, through the streets of the city, rode up aloft in a big thing. And, and he was up there and um, you know what I mean, don't you? Dun, 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 dun. Carry people. Yeah, got you. Okay, um, so he was on there and, and, and they're throwing out coins. That's what they do. They print up coins with their faces and the slogan that they wanted to hear, great is Marius or whatever it would be. Throwing out coins, throwing out bread, throwing out flowers ahead of him. And behind him or in front of him would be all the people that he'd captured, ready for the slave market or to be executed, whatever that looked like. And they would, they would take them through the city and people would be cheering, yay, we were victorious, we made it, we did it. And uh, they, that happened regularly, well, not super regularly, but regularly enough. And then Paul, who was born in Rome, would have at least known about these if he'd never seen one himself. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he writes in verse 14, But thank God, He has made us His captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. And now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we, have a dread, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this, Paul asks? You and I are. We are adequate to the task of being a Christ-like fragrance rising up and through our city. That we could have that extravagant heart that says, I don't care what anyone thinks, I'll push through to be with Jesus. And I don't care how that smell is perceived to anyone else. As Paul said there, it's going to be perceived differently by different people. But I will push through anyway and I'll have that grace smell and I'll have that extravagance out of a heart of worship smell and I'll forget the you don't belong smell and I'll forget the stinginess smell and I'll forget the judgment smell. I'll forget any smell that would stop people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And my smell will be beautiful and it will get on people. <laughs> It'll be a kind of action that just gets on people that they can't understand why I'd be so gracious in that situation, where they can't understand why I would love in spite of what that person did, where they would not understand why I would forgive. Why would I do that? Because that smell will get on people. And people will ask, hey, what is it? What's that smell? There's something different about you. Some people will be like, what's that smell? on smelling the way that God has called you to smell. Let's come to our feet this morning. Like Dan said, there's going to be prayer after the service up the front. If you want prayer for anything at all. I'm going to pray for us all as a whole right now. We're going to sing this song. Lord, thank you for the grace smell that you covered the earth with. And Lord, we want to follow you. you. You got in the face of people that needed it. With love, you spoke to people and told them exactly what they needed to hear. 
But Lord, at the same time, you accepted and you sat with sinners and you didn't care about your reputation. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to have a Christ-like fragrance that gets on people. And so, Lord, awaken us to the odours that we shouldn't be portraying, Lord. Wake us up, we pray. And Lord, fill us with your extravagance. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your life. Fill us with your mercy. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your peace, Lord. Lord, do that work in our hearts so that we might be a witness to this world in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.